yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Any questions I ask my Table fam, how are we feeling tonight? Hey, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac and I'm the past. Excuse me. Wow. Um, I mean, that was not cool. Ah, hmm. uh, here we go. Hey, my name is Isaac. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm the pastor here at the table. And man, I just love Tuesday nights. I'm like just being around here tonight and I can just kind of like feel the buzz and the energy in the room. And I just love like every single Tuesday night getting to hang out with you. Now, um, most weeks um, you'll kind of see me up here during this time um, presenting whatever the conversation is for the day, whatever message we're going to give, whatever topic we're going to talk about today. But as you've experienced the last couple weeks, it's not always me up here talking. Um, We actually have a teaching team. So the last couple weeks, you, you've gotten to experience some of the people, if you've been here, um, some of the people on the speaking team or on the teaching team. So we got to listen to David Branch a couple weeks ago. Um, yesterday, um, we, or sorry, last week, we got to hear Josh Celestin. Um, later on, we'll hear Alec Raquel. These are some of the normal people that are part of our teaching team. But something that we love to do is cultivate and develop brand new speakers. So tonight, for the first time ever, ever speaking, we're going to get to hear from Dana Fricker. So, so now let me, uh, as Dana's kind of coming up and getting ready, let me set up a little bit. So, um, so why, why Dana? Well, Dana, as you know, we call her, she doesn't really like this, but we call her this anyway. She's the queen of the table. So if you know, if you know her role here, um, she, she basically leads and facilitates everything going on on a Tuesday night. So if, if you've been coming for a while, or perhaps it's even your first time, Dana's really in charge of everything that goes on around here on a Tuesday night. Uh, she's one of the best leaders, period, that we have on staff at First Orlando, period. Um, I'm not done yet, Dana. I'm not done. Hold on. I have more to say. Um, um, as well as, um, as we're even thinking through cultivating kind of new speakers and Dana kind of leaning into the speaking gifting, um, as well as just leadership that she does overall, like I feel like God just placed on my heart that today on October 5th, Dana needed to speak tonight. And we didn't really know exactly what Dana needed to say, but in the last few weeks we've been talking about it. And the message that you're going to hear tonight is exactly what God wants us to talk about tonight through Dana. So I'm really, really excited about it. Um, also, you may see this teaching table, and you may see this chair. So it's a little bit different than a normal message. Sometimes we experiment and kind of do various things. Um, perhaps someone who's more of a seasoned speaker, we've done this before with developing speakers as well, is for this message, it's going to be a little more of a live podcast. Have you guys heard, do you guys like podcasts? Are we podcasters? Some? Okay. Um, I know Dana really likes true crime. Yes. Um, I listen to various things like sports and stuff. Um, but so this is kind of like a hybrid of just like a normal table message as well as a live podcast where I'm going to be sitting here more just as a discussion partner for Dana and whatever she has to say. So I'll kind of chime in here and there, but please hear me say Dana is speaking tonight, right? Um, secondly, you may see this baptism tank right here. Do you guys see this right here? Because here's what's going to happen after. As part of the response, we're going to have baptisms. <laughs> So some of you, some of you have already um, said, that, hey, I'm getting baptized tonight. I'm ready to go. I kind of know what I'm doing. And some of you had no idea that you were going to get baptized tonight, but you are. You didn't know it yet. And throughout the message, from what Dana's saying, as Dana shares her story and kind of how baptism plays part of her story, my suspicion is that for some of us here in this room, that God's going to tug on your heart to get baptized tonight. You didn't know this, but we did. So that's why we came prepared. So we have shirts, shorts, everything you need on that later. More on that later. But y'all, without further ado, give it up for Dana. Yeah. 
Thanks. All right, so Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, so Dana, how are you feeling? This is, uh, I'm extremely introverted. This is my worst nightmare. <laughs> but I'm leaning in and I'm excited to Lean be here. In. And I love yeah. you guys. This is like, I love meeting with you all one on one. So this is like one big, like one on 200. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm telling myself. Um, so, Dana, you're currently on staff. Yes. But you weren't always on staff here no. at the table. Um, you actually started out, as many of us here, just attending the table. So, what was that like, like coming to the table for the first time? Yeah, great question. Um, so, I'm not actually from Orlando, I'm not from Florida, I'm from Pennsylvania. Do we have anybody? Okay, two, cool. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. I moved to Orlando in 2017 to do the Disney College program. Okay, hi guys, how's it going? And I, so if you don't know, on your first night or first day at Disney, onboarding includes this day-long training and seminar of like all the things not to do in Orlando so that you don't get hurt. So like, don't go to, go, don't, don't go downtown, don't get in cars you don't know, don't get on party buses, all these things you're not supposed to do. So after that, I got done with that whole seminar thing. That night, um, I met this girl named Britt in an unmarked white van behind a Walgreens <laughs> at night. Um, if you don't know, Britt is on staff with us here at the table. She does our groups and at the time was leading our Disney ministry and she said, hey, I go to a church. If you want to come, you can come. I'll pick you up. So had never seen her in person, talked to her online, was like, let's do it. Um, got in the back of her white van. She's as five foot tall, so as tall as me, and is just driving like this. And I'm from Pennsylvania, so the furthest you go for anything is like 15 minutes. Uh, so 35 minutes on I-4 was like, I'm definitely getting kidnapped. And lo and behold, we showed up here. It was called Anthem at the time, it was our college ministry. Um, I survived, I liked it, I came back. Um, flash forward a few years later, and I'm still here. Yay, there you go. Yeah. So I so, survived the white van. <laughs> you survived the right Don't van that, that Britt Nelson was driving. Yes. Uh, so, so you said you're originally from Pennsylvania. Like, what's life in Pennsylvania like? What was that like um, for you? Pen, uh, specifically, I'm from Pennsylvania, but I'm from a very, very small town called Sladington, which definitely nobody's heard of, I told you. Um, and there's, if you're from a small town, you know that there's literally nothing to do. I was talking to people last week about this, and we are comparing stories, and you pretty much can, like, go to the movies, or you can go bowling, or you go to the movies, and then you walk around a grocery store, like, right? Yeah, I'm getting some head nods. That's about it. That's life in a small town, is you go to, or you go to a different town next door with a bigger grocery store. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's one thing you can do, or you can do something um, that a lot of us do, and I did, is you date somebody that you probably shouldn't. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. Ooh, sorry guys. Um, that's where I found myself in high school. I started dating this guy. Um, we'll call him Steve. His name is not Steve, but we'll call him Steve, okay? Um, we're in high school. We had everything in common. Well, uh, we had all the same classes in common, which is basically the same thing when you're in high school. And in the beginning, it was fun. We're in the honeymoon stage and, like, just someone to do, someone to do stuff with, spend my time with. I had, like, really a lot of instability at home at that point, just family drama and issues. So I was just so thankful to not have to be at home that I was grateful to be in somebody else's company. Um, but after a while, like I said, the honeymoon phase wore off. Uh, boundaries were crossed. I was put in really uncomfortable situations. Um, manipulation, emotional abuse, and just really a lot of red flags that say, get out, get out, get out, get out. And naturally, even after all those red flags, then he cheated on me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oofy. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. Um, and I still stayed because I had convinced myself that being with someone who was treating me like dirt 
was still better than being alone and not feeling like I had any direction or anybody in my corner. So I stayed for four years in a relationship that I knew I wasn't supposed to be in, and it was miserable, but I had just couldn't handle the embarrassment of the breakup. In my mind, that was just too much to handle, so I was content being happy or unhappy. So what, what were you feeling at that time whenever you were experiencing that? What were you feeling? The breakup? Oh, we broke up after four years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, the, after the breakup, I was, eventually we did it, but it was on my terms. I was like, I finally give in. I had graduated high school, so I was like, I can handle the embarrassment if other, less people will see it. And I felt alone. I felt crushed. I was left with nothing and just had no friends and just four years of my life was wasted on a relationship that brought me nothing. Hmm. So I think for, for a lot of us, I think Dana's story we can resonate with because for some of us it is a toxic relationship. And yep. in this toxic relationship, um, we feel, or in, in or out of a toxic relationship, we feel lost and alone, right? But for, for, for many of us, that may not be a toxic relationship, but I think all of us can identify at some point in our lives with this feeling of feeling lost and alone, right? I think, I think that's a pretty normative experience for a young adult world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it might not be a relationship for you, but maybe it's your living situation. Maybe it's uh, your roommates or your family where they're constantly fighting and there's drama and you just hate being at home and you feel trapped and you feel like you can't get out. Maybe that's why you feel lost and alone. Maybe it's money or job stuff where Orlando's a really expensive city to live in, mm. and, but you have to work and you don't like your job and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you just wanna get out, but you just feel trapped. You feel like you can't talk to people about it and you feel alone and you don't know what to do and you feel lost. And lastly, this is, sorry guys, uh, maybe you're single and maybe you feel trapped in being single and all you want, you beg God, please send me a husband, send me a wife. It doesn't even have to be a spouse, just somebody that'll date me. Um, you're just begging God to get you out of the, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, it's true. Get me out of this season, I feel trapped and I can't handle it. Maybe that's why you feel lost and alone. Yeah, and then uh, the weather's getting a little cooler. Yes. Yeah, and you're like, ooh, oh no, it's oh no, it's, it's cuffing season, it's coming up. So, so what do we do, Dana? What do we do whenever we, we feel lost and alone? So, I'm so glad you asked, Isaac. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, yeah, that was Did a good question. Did we plan this? I don't know. Okay. Um, so if I can give you guys any hope tonight, I, I would agree a lot of us feel lost and alone. Um, but the truth is that God doesn't want you to feel lost, and he doesn't want you to feel alone. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us some wisdom on what to do when we feel lost and alone while navigating these different storms of life. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open them up to uh, Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. If you have your app, that's great. It'll be up on the screen. Um, <clears throat> it says, um, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So I want us to notice a few things here. Uh, we have this wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rock in this case is hearing from God and doing what he says. Now, I have a suspicion of a lot of us when we see that word, um, hear from, or that phrase, hear from God, we get really intimidated and we think, um, I've never heard an audible voice from the sky speak to me. I've never seen like the clouds open and Morgan Freeman come down <laughs> in like a white Dana. robe. And yeah, Dana, I am your father. That, a lot of us haven't experienced that, right? So we think, I haven't seen that, I haven't heard that, so God's not speaking to me. 
um, there is some, maybe not through Morgan Freeman, but we do see in the Bible that God does speak and communicate with people in these miraculous ways. Uh, we see it through um, angels, dreams, visions, um, through other people, and audible, an audible voice at times. But um, the reality is that although God speaks in those ways, one of the most common ways that God speaks to us is actually not an external sign or a being, but a still small voice within ourself and within our spirit. Um, so Dallas Willard, in his book, Hearing God, says this. He says, those who are living in harmony with God, it most commonly comes in the form of their own thoughts and attending feelings. So this idea of hearing from God is not necessarily always going to be this external thing. It's going to be a lot of times come from within us. Um, for a long time, I didn't think I was hearing from God. I didn't think I was special enough. Um, but I, because I was looking for that neon sign, I was looking for Morgan Freeman, I was looking for like, the physical sign that says, like, on the back of a truck, this is how I picture it. I am God. I am talking to you, comma, Dana. Like, that's what I was waiting for. And then when I found out that, oh, God actually speaks in whispers and in quiet and from within me, I started to learn that what that sounded like and that I needed to be quiet to actually listen for that. I've noticed that a lot, too, as I've met with some of you um, or many of you one-on-one -on -one, and even in some of the stories, especially for those of us that may be newer to faith and newer to becoming a Christian. And so you become, this Christ you, you become a Christian, you get baptized, you're like, woo, yeah, okay. And then you know that like, part of the Christian experience is trying to hear from God, but like, you've never really processed it or thought through it. So then God becomes everything, right? Like you see a butterfly like in on the table. It's like, is that God speaking to me? right? Is it like, okay, it thunderstormed. Okay, is the lightning, is that God speaking to me? Is that a sign? Is that a sign? Is that a sign? Is that a sign? And we just get incredibly confused because we have no idea, like, what's God and what was, like, gas from Taco Bell. Like, we just don't know. <laughs> and, and then, so I think this is exactly what, what Dana's experience and many of our experiences is just like, how, what does is, what is curing from God even feel like? Like, what, is, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the passage continues. That's really good, Isaac. Um, the passage continues. It says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Um, so I, wa I want to, we have this kind of comparison here. I want to draw our attention. We have um, this first house, the wise man who built his house on the rock. Uh, and the rock is hearing from God and doing what he says. Then we have the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the sand is hearing from God and not doing what he says. Uh, what, uh, and just building your house on the sand, what does that mean? That's, that's every time you hear from God and you decide, I'm not going to do that. Or I can't do that. That's what building our house on the sand looks like. But I want us to notice that no matter if your house is on the rock or on the sand, the rain, the floods, and the wind fell on both houses. Hearing and doing from God does not mean you're, gonna, you're not going to go through storms. A lot of times... We don't know that we built our house on the uh, sand, though, until we're in the middle of a storm. We think, this is going to be great. I'm going to make it. And then we hit a storm, and we crumble, and we wonder why. And it's because our house is built on the sand. Mm, so it's like the, I hear you saying, like, the storm reveals what our foundation is, mm. right? Because the same storm hits both houses, yep. right? And then, it, and then we, it's like, a, it's like a test of, like, wait, was my house on the rock or was my house on the sand? And for many of us, we've all experienced, um, like, whenever we build our foundation on the sand, then we feel like our lives just crumble, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. I that's my story. I've spent a lot of time begging God to get me out of a storm when I could have spent time listening to God in that storm and seeing what did he what he wanted to teach me in the middle of that. So, so what have you? So you said um, 
seeing what God wanted to teach you, like in the middle of the storm yep. while you're trying to build your house on the, on the solid rock. Yep. So like, what did you learn through that experience? Yeah, for me, the biggest thing that I learned was just that God is speaking um, and you can either take action or you can ignore it. Mm. Yeah, that's the truth. That whether or not you want to believe it, God is talking to you. He's talking to me. Uh, for a long time, I didn't believe I was worthy to hear from God. I thought you had to earn that. I thought you had to do so many things to be this perfect of a person to earn a relationship where God wanted to talk to you. But that's not reality. Reality is that God wants to communicate with you. He is communicating with you. And he wants an intimate relationship of talking with you back and forth. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Bethany. I see you. Um, so that was my story. As I said earlier, I moved to Orlando to do the Disney College program and work for Disney, which uh, the DCP is like the shiny, glamorous internship version, version of Disney. And then when my college program had ended, I wanted to stay in Orlando. I knew that's where I needed to be. But I had ended up transferring to World of Disney, which if you're not in the Disney world, uh, world of Disney is widely perceived to be the worst place to work at Walt Disney World on property. Okay, It is the largest Disney store in the entire world. Uh, they get more traffic and more guests in one day than some of the theme parks do, just for like reference. It's chaotic. It's stressful. For me, it was stressful because I think I said earlier I was an introvert, and there would be entire shifts where you had to, they called it merchantaining. So you had to approach new, you know when you like go in a store and you're just trying to shop and they like, the salespeople are like, what about this? I like your hat. What are you doing today? And just hounding you. That was what you had to do at World of Disney for like three to eight hours at a time. Hmm. Yeah, it was my nightmare. And like, <laughs> like tailor-made just dream. for me. Let's go. Yeah. You like go up and talk to strange people all the time? Yeah. It was, I hated it. I was miserable. And so instead of trying to actually do my job, I spent 90% of my time there just avoiding management so I wouldn't get caught and just being like, please don't see me. I'm like, I'm short. They had even the, like, where they put all the shelves and stuff were taller than me, and then they updated the store so they were shorter than me so that people could see me. And I was like, it ruined my whole thing. <laughs> but, and, side story, but we have 150 cast members in a day, and there's only six bathroom stalls. So that's a very limited number of spaces to hide. <laughs> so I was running out of space. I was stressed all the time. I hated my job. I was in the middle of the storm, and I left every day just begging God, like, please get me out of here. I can't do this. I'm miserable. It's not fair. I don't like it. And I was able, to, once I got there, you're able to put in a transfer request to go to a different location. So I was like, yes, this is my golden ticket out. Uh, it's not a guarantee, but it's a possibility. So I had requested to go to the Grand Floridian, which was like my dream location like cute costume dresses i had friends that worked there like almost no people go there into the shops so like it's a really easy gig and i was like this is what i want this is my dream job is not talking to people in a cute dress okay <laughs> and so i put in the request and a couple of weeks later i got the email it said approved for transfer and i was like like full like grandpa out of the bed in charlie and chocolate factory like i was like this is it like, we're making it, right? And so I got the email. When you get the email, you have two buttons. It says, accept this transfer, decline this transfer. And I didn't, I was doing something else when I got it, so I just didn't hit any of the buttons. But you have five days to respond, so I wasn't worried about it. And then that night, I ended up going to Anthem, our college ministry. 
and was sitting there and um, had told everybody and they were like so excited. Like we were literally gonna go celebrate that I was leaving World of Disney. Like it was like, I got balloons. It was this big thing, okay? And so I sit and listen to the message. There's worship. Um, we sing again at the end and I'm singing and worshiping and I hear clear as day from God within me. I just hear the sentence, decline this transfer. Hmm. And I knew immediately what I needed to do and it was the worst thing I could have heard. Um, I was sitting next to my friend, Sam Branch, I think before she was Branch. Um, if you met, yeah, DB's wife, who DB was speaking a couple weeks ago. Um, but I was sitting next to Sam, and I turned to her, and I said, God wants me to decline the transfer of the Grand Floridian. And she said, no. I said, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, but that's your dream job. I was like, uh-huh. And I said, can you do it with me right now? Because I know if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And she said, yep. And we sat down, and I opened the email, and I got the app, and I hit decline the transfer. And we cried, and it was really sad. Uh, also, when you work at Disney, you have to wait a year before you can go somewhere else. So I was committing to a year of working somewhere where I was miserable. Yeah, it wasn't fun. But I knew that it's what God wanted for me, so I was like, okay, I'll do this. Um, so at work, I started finally, I was like, well, if I have to be here, I might as well, like, do my job. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I started talking to people, started talking to new people, and realized, like, oh, it's actually, the time goes by a lot faster when you're not, like, running in fear. So I started talking to people, and it was actually not that bad. And then I got, I made friends that I worked with, and I was like, this is cool, and got called up to be in leadership and got to be a coordinator and just kind of do more and more things. And I ended up loving that place. I loved World of Disney. I was so sad when I left. I left to work here at the church, um, but made so many friends, uh, people that I still get catch up with, get brunch with. I, I worked, there was a total of 600 cast members on rotation at that location. So I got to encounter and meet so many people and just have really cool God conversations that I wouldn't have had if I had done what I wanted to do, which was go to the Grand Floridian. So when I was begging God to get me out of that storm, um, I didn't realize how much God wanted to teach me and grow me at World of Disney. Uh, learning how to talk to people and approach new people and start conversations actually prepared me incredibly well for my job now, which is working in ministry where I get to talk to you guys every week. Hmm. So you said uh, the big idea, God is speaking. Yep. You can either take action or you can ignore it. So yep. what does that mean practically? What does that mean uh, t later tonight? What does that mean tomorrow whenever we're in the Chick-fil-A line? What does that mean uh, next week, you know, whenever we're just hanging out with friends? Like, what does that mean for us practically? Yeah, great question. Um, I think, yeah, the question I think we're asking is how, okay, this is great, Dana, how, but how do I hear from God? Like, what do I do practically? Um, if you are hearing from God, and I think some of us in this room are hearing from God, and um, there's something you know you have to do. And my challenge for you this week, um, talk to somebody, tell them, hey, God wants me to do this if you need accountability, and say, I need to do this this week. If you can do it tonight, great. But if you're hearing from God, my challenge to you is to do it. That's some of us. Uh, the other camp of us in this room tonight probably aren't hearing from God or might not be. If you're not hearing from God, uh, the challenge is to do the last thing he told you to do. A lot of us, when we're not hearing from God, we're like, eh, there's something wrong with me, or like his line is clogged, but maybe we're just, there's something he's asked us to do that we're actually ignoring or hoping he'll forget about, or like, he, he'll forget about it. He won't, he doesn't want to actually do that, but the reason we're not hearing from God is he's still waiting for you to do that last thing that he told you to do. Mm. Yeah. And then lastly, if you feel like you're not hearing from God at all, 
and you're like, I've never experienced this or I don't think I have, um, there's hope. I want to encourage you guys. Practically, what I would encourage you to do is to PB&J, three things, prayer, Bible, and journaling. Um, this was what was told to me. It's very practical. A prayer is a way for us to talk to God and take our junk to him and just say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And you have permission to ask him to speak to you. Like, hey, God, I don't think I've heard from you. Can you please speak to me? And just cry out to God. You can talk to him. Um, Bible. When, if you want to learn about God and speak to him and talk to him, we have a whole book that's just his word, like his holy living word from God's mouth. That's a really good way to learn about God. And lastly, journaling. Um, journaling is a way to get your thoughts, your feelings, your prayers, what you're reading in the Bible down on paper and to a more focused way to get to talk to God. For me, the reason I'm so practical, practic, blah, 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 passionate, I'm going to do the water thing. Thanks. Yeah, every once in a while you need to, yeah. It's helpful. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm so passionate about journaling is because for me, without journaling, I wouldn't have a physical record of a lot of the special moments in my life. Um, a few years after, so I told you guys about that first breakup in high school, dated the guy for four years. And I know when all of us mess up, we're like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to be that stupid. All the things I said I'm never doing again, I'm not going to do them. But we do them, right? Yeah, we mess up again. So I started dating a guy. A couple years later, I started dating another guy um, who wasn't a Christian. He had a kid. He was ultimately leading me away from God and just pulling me further away from a relationship with Jesus. And I was like, oh, I kind of knew I shouldn't be in that relationship, but I was still like, this is still better than being alone. I believed that lie again, where I told him, I was like, I can be a stepmom. I can live in Slatington, Pennsylvania. I'm not kidding, guys. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. I was like, I can live in Slatington, Pennsylvania for the rest of my life. This is the best I can do. This version, this life is better than not knowing if I'll end up alone. And I just wanted to not be alone. So I was in that relationship. But here's a kicker. This is what it was different this time. I got in the van, okay? Remember the van? Britt brought me to church. And I um, had started being in church and community for the first time in my life. I had, before this, had only been to church maybe five or ten times in my whole life. And, like, five of those times were, like, Sunday school, okay? So I was in church consistently and had seen what happens when you're around community and godly community and I had a comparison between that and I had a comparison of what that toxic relationship was and so one of the messages one of the nights was the application points were pb&j per bible and journaling so I got myself a journal it was pink I don't like pink anymore but at the time I loved pink <laughs> and I started journaling and I didn't it's cringy to read your old journals because you're like what was this girl's going through it man <laughs> like she didn't know what she was talking about but she was writing it down okay but I can tell you that I was praying that I was reading my bible and that I was journaling about it and so it was about a month into doing PB&J and reading my bible that I wrote this journal entry I was still at the sorry I yeah I was still in that relationship with that guy like but would then come to church and was like back and forth and like one foot in, one foot out of doing these kind of two different lives. But then I started prayer Bible and journaling and a month into that, I wrote this. I wrote, um, I broke up with blank. Uh, I didn't listen to my gut and God the last time and it caused so much damage. I feel like I've grown, but it was the hard way. I wish I had listened the first time. Hmm. Yeah. I started to learn what God's voice sounded like. 
because the first time I had ignored God for four years and it was made me nauseous. It was exhausting. I still felt alone and I was still sad at the end of it because I had waited for so long. Um, but this time when I listened to God and I broke up with a guy, I was actually relieved. Like I blocked him and never thought about it again. Like, because I was with godly community and people that loved me and was hearing from God and doing what he was saying. And I knew that if God was asking me to do it, it was ultimately for his glory and my good and that I could trust that. And even though it was scary and I didn't want to do it, I knew that it was for my good ultimately. And so that's what led me to do the breakup the second time. A month after that breakup, um, that kind of learning to hear what God's voice sounded like was um, preparing me for when I was sitting in church here on a Sunday morning. Um, I had told myself, I'm not going to do it. You know when they're like, we're going to do baptisms, and you're like, I'm not doing that. Like, I had told myself a million reasons why I wasn't going to do it. Um, I wanted to get baptized at the beach because that was, like, the cool thing to do. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not doing it. And then, but I was sitting in a Sunday service, and they started dunking people, and I felt that feeling again, that feeling of God saying, hey, you need to break up with that person. Hey, you need to say it world of Disney. I felt that feeling. And so when I knew that feeling and what God sounded like to me, I knew this is something I have to listen to, and this is something I have to be obedient to. So I got baptized. So this is uh, September 24th, yes. 2017. We actually have a clip of Dana getting baptized. September 24th, yes. 2017. Take a look. Jill for the video. Got you, Jill. Um, so yeah, I got baptized. I did the scary thing. I felt not ready for it. I felt unprepared, but I did it. And then I want to read what I wrote in my journal that night. So this was, after you get baptized, you have to celebrate. So we went to Cheesecake Factory, and then, as you do. And then that night, um, I wrote in my journal, I said, uh, there's still a warmth and peace in my heart that hasn't faded yet. I feel light and free and open and ready to do, do, ready to receive God's love for me. I pray this warmth never fades. If I hadn't said yes to breaking up with that guy, I may never have listened when God told me to be baptized or when he called me to stay at World of Disney or work in ministry, and I wouldn't be where I am today, where I get to depend on God and what he's saying to me every day and just be in a relationship with Jesus. Man, thank you so much, Dana. Wow. So I absolutely love Dana's story, and it's such a privilege and an honor to get to work with Dana. Like, we, we're with our team. Like, we just have such an incredible team, and Dana's just such a huge part of just everything going on here. And here's what I see in Dana's story, and here's what I want for you, and here's what I want for the city of Orlando, is that um, Orlando, there just seems to be a lot of um, uh, brokenness, right? And we talk about this a lot. If you've been coming to the table, you know that Orlando is just a city of brokenness. And here's what we know uh, about brokenness is that as we're hearing and doing, as we hear from God and we do what he says, um, that this brokenness, Jesus um, comes in, not because of anything that we do, but we hear and do out of response to what Jesus does. And what Jesus does, he makes us whole. Right? So Orlando as a city of brokenness, what can actually happen is Orlando can be a city of healing. 
and of restoration, right? And of goodness and wholeness and justice and these things that we want, these things that we crave are, are things that Orlando can be, right? And not just the city of Orlando, the city that we love and the city that we're in, because we know Orlando is a city um, is made up of, a city is made up of people. A city is made up of you, right? So as you are hearing from God and doing what he says, you know what your life would be like? It's incredible, the loneliness, you feeling alone and you feeling lonely, like you don't have to experience that anymore because of Jesus. And here's what you can do out of response to that, knowing that we don't want to feel lonely, knowing we don't want to feel alone, knowing that we can take steps to follow Jesus. It's that the feeling that we get and we process it with community, like, is this God? Is this not God? I don't know. Um, What Dana was doing with Sam, uh, right, where she's like, is this God? And Sam's like, I don't know. Okay, yeah, I think that's God. Let's do this, right? You know, put in the, deny the request, right? We can all do that. And you know what your life would be like if you did that? And if we all collectively did that, you know what happened in the city? Oh my gosh, there's probably 200 people in this room right now, right? And man, if every single one of us was hearing from God and doing what he says, your life would be radically different and your family would be radically different. The city that we love, Orlando, that you're currently in, you may be saying, hey, I'm only in Orlando for a little while. Well, you're here now, right? You're here now. And while you're here in Orlando, we can move forward and hearing from God and doing what he says. So here's how we're going to respond in that. Um, one is we have this tank right here for baptisms. As Dana said, one of, the, one of her um, wanting to hear from God and doing what he says was a response in baptism. So some of you tonight, that's your next step. That's your response, to hear from God and to do what he says. God's tugging on your heart right now. Right now, God's tugging on your heart and he's saying, hey, be baptized. And you know, for some of us, when we hear from God, we can either do what he says or we can ignore it. For some of us, we may ignore it. I hope that's not you. I hope that as you're hearing from God, you do what he says, be baptized tonight. Here's what baptism is. Um, I recently got married about a year ago, almost a year ago, and um, I have this wedding ring. And this wedding ring is a symbol of my marriage to my wife, Florin. Now, um, this, wearing this wedding ring does not save me right? Wearing this wedding ring does not, sorry, wearing this wedding ring does not make me married. It's a symbol that I am married. And in the same way, baptism, it doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't make God love you more. Baptism doesn't make God love you less. Here's what baptism is. Baptism is a symbol. It's an outward expression of an inward change. What baptism is, is that we are dead to our old life in Christ, and we're raised up into new life with Christ in Jesus. So that's the public confession of faith that we're going to make. Now, as Dana also said, some of the application is PB&J. I love that acronym, uh, Prayer Bible Journal. So for some of you, you may respond with prayer. Here in the back, after the service, we're going to have a connection lounge where you can pray with somebody if you need to pray with somebody. Um, Also, right behind you over here, we have Bibles and journals completely for free, right? So with baptism, with prayer, with Bible and journal, there is no excuse not to respond tonight if you need to respond tonight. We got you covered. We thought through everything, right? So our hope and our prayer tonight is that if God is taking on your heart to do something, we hope that you take steps tonight in order to do it. So here's how we're going to to wrap up our time. If we're band here, we're going to have an extended time of singing where we're going to sing together, right? We're just going to sing together. And then after we sing a couple songs together with Lucas and the band leading, um, then we'll be right here um, with with the water tank and be ready to baptize people that say they want to be baptized. So that's how we're going to wrap up the night. Um, Dana, would you mind praying for us? I'd love to. Father God, I thank you for the people in this room tonight. I thank you that um, they're saying, hey, I want to hear from you, and I want to 
do what you're saying, Lord. I pray that you just uh, speak to each person in this room tonight. Um, let their heart be open to receive what you have to say to them um, and just give them clear next steps. Speak to them as a father who loves them and wants to be in an intimate relationship with them. I pray for the people that are getting baptized tonight that don't know it yet, um, that you just make it abundantly clear and just, um, just tug on their hearts and help them to say yes and take this next step.